Just Being Honest, the JBH Podcast. Let's rock this. True food, full thought. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of my favorite holistic practices by U.S. Cryotherapy. Guys, you've been hearing me on previous podcasts about how I've been going to U.S. cryotherapy and I've been using their full body chamber to reduce inflammation and reset my central nervous system. I've been doing it for over a month now and I cannot tell you enough how much it has improved my mental state as well as my physical state. So check out the show notes, check out the blog, for some ways you can save on your session at U.S. Cryotherapy. I highly recommend it. But onto the show, today's guest is drummer, percussionist, Billy Hahn, better known as the drummer and percussionist for a Kobe Calais and a Mr. Brett Young. He's currently on tour, rumbling around the world, Oh my gosh, seriously, you guys have got to check this guy's Instagram out. It's purely amazing. Um, so we touch on a couple of subjects today. It's really fun. Um, he tells me about how he sustains a really well-versed, healthy lifestyle on the road. He's constantly on the road. His new home base is Nashville, Tennessee, after living 12 years in Los Angeles, California, originally stemming from Minnesota. So he tells with us some tricks of the trade about the staples he brings on that tour bus to maintain that healthy lifestyle. I'm not going to give too much away because I want you guys to fully listen to the full podcast, Um, but it's breeding a bigger message out there. And I think that bigger message is be your biggest and best advocate for yourself. So many people are going to tell you what to think, put fear into your mind that you can't do something because they're scared for you. But Billy really proves that, yeah, you're put in certain situations at particular points in life for the reasons that you need to witness and be challenged by them. But the most important lesson to take away from this is never give up your dreams. Always keep one step in front of the other and keep on going because baby, you can do anything. So put your hands together, put your drumsticks together. So I welcome Billy Han to the Just Being Honest podcast. Let's dive in. Ciao. All right, sound check. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Check, check. All right. Hi, guys. This is your host, KB, and this is another amazing, brilliant, soul-fulfilling episode of the Just Being Honest podcast. It's your health, nutrition, and lifestyle manifestation coach. I have an awesome guest today. Put your hands together for Billy Hahn. Billy, 
you're gonna inch yeah woo! go 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 billy let's just jump in on this let's just start chatting um tell us let's about yourself tell us about yourself um billy well actually let me tell let me brag about you first and uh, well hold on everyone i want everyone to listen because i have a couple of um if anyone's into music out there billy's got quite a talent all right so everyone just listen because this song brings me to tears and it's not playing but anyways maybe it will play someday <laughs> But the song that I was going to play is by Colby Calais. It's called Try. That song always brings me to tears. Love that song. Love the empowerment of it all. And then we've got Brett Young, country singer. That song, Mercy. Hello. Mercy me, baby. So <laughs> Billy is the drummer and the percussionist of just those two, to name a few. But he has worked with... So many others. Um, I can't even explain the list. Tell us, who have you uh, drummed in percussion? How do you say that? Percussionist? Did? <laughs> Percussioned with? Um, it's a great question. Um, if yeah, you need some help, I can help. Maybe none of the above. I think it's just percussionist four, maybe. Percussionist four. All right, all right. But let me help. Let me help you out a little bit. Okay, so okay. Billy has been the drummer and percussionist of right now, currently Colby Calais and Brett Young. Dun dun. Um, <laughs> he's worked with Jason Reeves, Andy Grammer. Can I get a hallelujah? Uh, Katy yeah. Perry. Yes. Yeah. Left Shark. Were you involved with that whole Left Shark thing? The what shark? The left shark on the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was... I worked with Katie way before that. Pre-left shark. Um, Sarah yeah. Bareilles. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just to name a few. Brett Dennen, uh, Dana Carvey, Damian Rice. I mean, all these names that many of you probably recognize. I hope you recognize. Um, hit songs. And so let's just jump in and we'll get into your talents a little bit more. But I want to kind of introduce why I have you on. Besides the fact that you are an amazing artist, um, Billy and I really connected over our lifestyle practices, which I think he is so rad to kind of um, breed it out there even more. Because he is showing people that it is possible to live a lifestyle, an ethical lifestyle. I'm just going to say that, guys. An ethical lifestyle anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. He makes no excuses to live a vegan plant-based lifestyle. Am I right? Correct. Correct. So Billy travels. I mean, he's never at home. Where is your home? Where's your home base? Well, my home base for 12 years was... was Los Angeles, and now it's Nashville. It's been Nashville home base for the, the past four years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I tour all over the place and travel and just, it's good to be home when I'm home, but yeah, I'm rarely home. So sleeps when possible. But no, Billy, 
Okay, I'm gonna put his Instagram in the show notes because he takes the most impeccable videos and photos of yeah, nature and of environmental scenes. And I'm like, I feel like I'm there with you, Billy. And well, often, most most of the time, I'm super jealous. But um, but they're amazing. They're like phenomenally just soul enriching. But I want to go back into your lifestyle and like growing up. Like, how did you grow up? Like, was it always bred within you to live this um, environmentally chic lifestyle or environmentally just like, you know, loving nature, just doing well for the environment, eating well? Tell us about well, growing up. Um, some of those, some of those uh, were part of my childhood. The, first of all, I grew up on a lake in the country in central Minnesota three miles outside, uh, just a lake surrounded by farmland and just distant neighbors. Um, at the time it was three miles outside of the nearest town was 800 people. So just very remote, very peaceful. Um, I think that I, I realize now as an adult that that was a huge part of what helped form me as a person um because when i go back there now it's very i was just back there last week visiting my parents and my sister and her family um it's almost a very spiritual very sacred place for me to be home now it's not just it's not just the the memories the childhood memories and whatnot it's the it's that it's the lake it's the woods i used to run around and build my tree forts in it's it's everything it's it's just the land. So, I don't know. I, I think as a kid, I took it for granted. I didn't realize what my parents had established for us. Um, and I just ran around like any other teenager. Had a little rowboat with a motor on it. <laughs> a rowboat with a motor. You know, years, little, just a little 10-foot aluminum boat with a little motor. Um, you know, years before I was driving a car, I just had my own little boat. And I just feel like, um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like it just really helped shape my love for nature and my love for, definitely my love for being outside. Very vivid memories of, you know, being out until they're just, you just couldn't see anymore in the dark, you know? Mm -hmm. I hear you. Sunset, sunset, even, you know, in the summertime, you know, when sunset's like, eight or nine o'clock it just wasn't enough i was just out mom mom had to just call me in she so had to call me in i just stay out with the with the with my friends or in the woods or whatever so um when you were growing up you know hanging uh -huh. out outside i'm you know obviously you have that earthing that the, the I, I've been learning more and more and more and becoming really, really attuned to the power of the earth and the vibration and the energy from it and dirt and the microbiome and what we get from that and that you can actually heal yourself. So if one has a disease or something, you can actually pretty much slowly heal yourself by just getting that dose of earthing energy every single day, putting your feet in the soil. Yeah. Um, you know, getting that dirt on you, um, which so many people think, oh, it's more of sterilization, getting sterile and sterile and sterile and using the pure Purell, but that's actually worsening your immunities. So um, 
I love that Billy wanted to have this interview. He's he's in. Are you in Tennessee right now? Yeah. So he's in Tennessee right now, and he goes, "Shoot, my phone battery's on low. I wanted to sit in my my chair in the river." I love that, uh, and it makes yeah, me. Yeah, I a, was literally gonna. I forgot my Mophie at home, and I was going to. I mean, I have forty percent. I still do it at some point, but yes, yeah, so every time I come to do my hike, which is basically every day when I'm home. So it's three, four times a week. Um, I, I just come and roam, roam, do a trail run or a hike through the woods. Nice. Uh, and then I always, I just try and end it with a, I'll sit in the river. I mean, well, when I say sit in the river, it's just a trickle. It's a nice little river, but where I'm sitting is literally like ankle deep. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like no, a no, no, river, no. <laughs> like raw no, gorge. It's a larger river, but it's the spot that I'm at, it just has a little, it's about ankle deep. And then it just has maybe a foot, you know, 12 inch waterfall, like 12 inch falls. So it's the sound of a waterfall and it's a super peaceful. And yeah, I'll just sit there and read in the river or, you know, just do nothing in the river. So is it meditate? So, yeah, um, so absolutely. let me ask more about your childhood and growing up and then we'll sure. move on a little bit. Because I want to know, I'm very, very curious. You know, okay. you grew up with a, an older sister. Um, yep. How are your parents, like, were they influential? Because you said you were one with nature. Were they influential at that age to become more plant-based and vegan? Or was it more later in life? No, um, well, that, that's, there's two parts there. Um, the, the nature part, I was definitely definitely connected with my mom on that one uh, my mother is very much at a young age she was very much the same as what I just described couldn't come in until it was you know wouldn't come in until it was dark just had to be outside had to be in the lake she was in the, in the lake as a as a young girl which ironically enough is she has ties to the lake that I grew up on she would come to that lake as a little girl there's kind of a backwards way of like if you looked at the history um she had an, a great uncle that had a resort on that lake and she would come there often as a as a young girl in the summers and whatnot and um you know obviously not knowing it at the time but years later she and my dad would have us two kids and uh they would move there and set up their whole little compound and their have their life so and they still live there today, so it's amazing. Um, the so I really think I got that. I got the you know the hunting, the fishing when I was a kid. All of that was through a lot of it was through my mom. My dad was gone a lot when I was a kid. He was a on the road truck driver, so he was he was hauling loads of granite and whatever else he was hauling for whatever company at the time, back and forth to Minnesota, from Minnesota to California, Minnesota to Texas, and then wow. Minnesota coast. So there's a beauty in that. Um, the non-beautiful side is he wasn't home much. So there's a large, uh, there's a large part of my childhood where, you know, it took me a while as an adult to accept kind of get over the fact that he wasn't there a lot um but, you know as we get older and become an adult I look back at it and I was like wow he was just 
pro- trying to provide for his family. Like that was his job. Like I, and then I, I'm very similar in that way now where I'm, I'm rarely home. Um, I don't have a family like he did, but, um, at the time, um, but it's ironic how much I travel now and the beautiful part of him traveling was I get, I got to go with him on my summer vacations when I was younger before I got really deep into marching band and the music side of life. Um, and that opened my eyes at a very young age of how beautiful our country is and how large our country is. And it just, it just provided me with a lot more culture than I was just getting on a lake in central Minnesota being a teenager or a preteen. Um, it was just, it was pretty cool. And it's, it's also why I think I sleep so well on a tour bus uh, now as an adult. Yeah. Because I grew up sleeping in his sleeper on his truck when, whenever I would be out with him. Um, I slept great then and I sleep great on a bus now. Something about that, the hum of that diesel engine that just, I just feel at home. I heard, um, you know, Derek Huff, the dancer of Dancing yeah. Stars, he mentioned the same thing that he sleeps so well on the tour buses and he loves them. And he sleeps right on top of the back wheel because he loves yeah. that feeling. And I'm like wondering, because I'm such a sound sleeper, I'm like, I'm wondering what I would be like. So I'm, I think, Billy, I'm going to become a groupie, um, start cooking vegan food on the bus. Um, I'll drive it. Um, and no, I won't. You don't want to see that. Um, but uh-huh. so, okay, so you found the beauty and the love for um, the country. And um, moving back on that, what made you, because I want to get more into the diet thing. Was sure. that later in life? Or- yeah, I mean, that was, that was, uh, that was, that had nothing to do with my family. That was all me. It was, um, how old were uh, you? I can, I can walk you through it. Well, uh, I, basically I ate like every, I mean, I, I was very much an American teenager, American teenage diet up until basically all through high school. Yeah, but can I can I go back? Okay. Back when you and I grew up as teenagers, the right. American diet was a lot different than it is today. True, true. But I'm, when I say American teen diet, I just mean... Anything. Yeah, I mean, basically you're indestructible, right? So you're eating <laughs> your chips and you're eating your crackers Donuts. and your cheese and you're eating your, you know, you're just eating snacks i mean there's snacks my mom worked for nabisco when i was in high school it was not a good thing sounds midwest yeah it was amazing when it was amazing at that time but i look back and when i when i get home from school my sister and i would get home from school and mom would still be at work and the pantry is stocked with i mean you name a nabisco product the pantry was it was stocked with oreos nutter butters Ritz crackers, Triscuits, Easy Cheese. Like, it was just saltines. It was endless. Yes. Carbs. I know, right? So it's all, it's everyone's, a bunch of people probably like, oh, that sounds delicious. But Nutter Butters were the best when I was younger. Well, yeah, I mean, I get it. They're I like crack. It. But, so then, 
So that's the diet part. Is I, I didn't really think anything of it until I decided. I decided I didn't want to eat meat anymore, and that was when I was basically. When was that? It was 1992. Oh wow! It was 1992. I was at a our family gym at the time, doing whatever we do when we don't really know what we're doing at the gym. But <laughs> you know, I mean, I was so young. I was so young. I was just out of high school, and I was like, you know, doing whatever we do at the gym. And I remember just. I was taking a break and I was reading something on the, on the community board and it had, it was a newspaper article that talked about the benefits of cutting red meat out of your diet Hmm. and how heavy red meat is and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this was, this was years ago. So obviously a lot's changed in the science and the research, but at the time, whatever I read had a profound impact on me enough to to where I was like, I thought to myself, wow, that all sounds really legit. I want to try that. I've never been a huge, I, when I, then I started to reflect on my childhood and I was like, I've never really been a huge fan of a hamburger or a steak. I never loved how a steak, like when you put two and two together and it's like, well, their steak's red because it's blood. It's like, okay, I didn't, I didn't think of that as a kid. You just eat it because your mom or dad put it on, you know, on the plate in front of you. And I was, so as it all started to unfold, I was thinking to myself, wow, okay, I don't like that. I'm going to try to do no red meat. So then it was basically chicken and fish. And growing up on a lake, it was no shortage of fish. We had fish whenever we wanted. And... Over the years, well, then I went to drum corps. I went off to Madison, Wisconsin for three years and marched drum and bugle corps there called the Madison Scouts. And in my, in my uh, rookie year of the Scouts is when somebody had ordered a pepperoni pizza and I remembered, I just, at, in that moment, it took like a bite or two or something. It, it didn't last long. I just remember that. And uh, that was it. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to eat meat like this ever again and that was it i i became vegetarian in that moment um now when i say vegetarian that doesn't mean that just means i wasn't eating meat i look back now and i was i was a very unhealthy vegetarian um not all the time but still snack food vegetarian um Mm -hmm. basically my rule then was if it hurts or kills the animal, I don't want anything to do with it. In other words, I would still eat eggs because not knowing what I know now about the egg industry, um, you know, it, it didn't hurt the chicken to have the egg. The chicken didn't die giving me the egg, so therefore I was okay with eating it. Obviously, that's different now. Um, don't eat eggs or I mean I don't eat anything like that so um, but it's just slowly progressed it was just my own little journey that started with this newspaper clipping on a billboard somewhere I cut out red meat I instantly felt better 
Now, I don't know. Again, I was probably 19. I don't know if I actually felt better or if I just told myself I felt better. I remember feeling better, but you know how it is. You don't, we can tell her, we can talk ourselves into almost anything. Um, one thing I do know, backing up even further, a little more from that age, was I used to go hunting. I used to go deer hunting every fall with my, with my, um, my mother and father. And basically, I never, they know this now, but it's, it was, it's funny now, but it wasn't then probably if I would have told them, um, is that I would see deer in my deer stand. I would see deer when I was by myself and I would just, no, don't see anything. Yep, exactly. And they, and I would just watch them and I would just watch them walk by and I would I'm not going to shoot them because if you shoot them, then you have to run after them and you have to slit their throat because they're oh. probably not dead. They're just injured. Yeah, it's it's just it's ridiculous. So, yeah, at the end of the day, we come back to camp. Anybody see anything? Nope. 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 Yeah, I saw something. You know, my mom might be like, yeah, I saw one, but didn't get a good shot or something. And I'd be like, nope, didn't see anything out there. Just kind of play it off like because and then one. And then when that happens for, I feel like four or five years. And then I think and that was really early, like early teens. And then I think as I got later in high school, I was just done. I was like, you know what? Well, you know, when you hit that age, when you start feeling like you have your own voice. Uh, and one day, one year I was just like, you know what? I don't feel like going this year. And they were like, excuse me. Oh, and it wasn't a big deal. But they were like, okay, well, I mean, at the, at, the, at the end of the day, they respected it, but it was it was a shock at first. Like, wait, you've been doing this every year. Like, you don't want to go all of a sudden? Wait, did they know at this time that you, did they know throughout, since 1992 that you were not eating meat? Well, this was, this would have been, the decision to stop hunting with them would have been pre-92. Um, no, then I came, I was that classic you know, the college kid that comes home from school and is like completely changed, basically. Yeah. Like, oh, like, you know, oh, I'm vegetarian, mama. I'm not going to eat that steak, so I'm going to eat this. You know, one thing I love about my parents, many things, but this one, in all aspects of my life, no matter whatever, whatever I decided to do, Whatever I decide, whoever I decided to be, it was it was never, almost to a fault. They never questioned me. Cool. They all they just always okay. Well, you know, you do you. We'll be here for you. Like when I remember when I moved to L.A., that was a big deal. Yeah, Midwest they didn't girl. Didn't want me to go. Did I wasn't going to be an hour away anymore. I was going to be twenty three hundred miles away. Like it was a big deal and. They were like, they told me, my dad put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, hey, I just want you to understand or realize that your mother and I don't realize, we don't fully understand why you're going away that far, like why you have to go there, but we trust you and maybe someday we will. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother chapter and, and they, they get it now, but they didn't at the time, but they never why are you, they never put that, why are you going? You shouldn't go that far. What's up? You know, they never came down negative. They were all, they were always like, well, okay. 
we don't have to understand it, but we we'll, we support you. So it was the same thing. The first the first Thanksgiving, I came home and said, "Mom, I can't have that turkey, or I'm not going to have that turkey." But here, I got this little roast thing I found at the supermarket. Oh, well, that's that's too bad. But okay, yeah, let me read the instruction. Like instantly supportive. Well, now let me and then. You know, with the growth of Google and the internet over the years, now my mom just thinks it's fascinating to get on and find all these cute little recipes that she can whip up. She'd love my blog then. Oh, I'm sure she would. <laughs> I'm sure she would. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I totally get it. Um, me as well, being from the Midwest, uh, Kansas, like, people will be like, Oh, Absolutely. the land of barbecue. And I'm like, I'm vegan. Yeah, right. I mean, but the thing is, I think until you also really witness and see those cows out there and see the destruction and smell the smells, I right. think you don't understand fully. Um, you know, and I, I try not to be like too much like pressing on people. I try to say like, it's a, your own decision, but, but, I, but you did start at a very, you know, an age and, and, and you said you immediately felt better. And I want to know, like, cause it's been what, 26 years since you made yeah. that decision and you're on the, the road 24 seven, you are very active. I mean, I feel like whenever I'm, you know, even tuning in on your Instagram, like you're always going, going, going. You have all this beautiful energy to you and you see things in such a beautiful light too, like that creative mind. And for also, another thing to point out, that like, the clarity of your mind and your thoughts and like, um, I'm just going to point this out there. I feel like meat products and stuff, yes, can be very toxic to the endocrine system and can actually be bring on a depressive lethargic state to us and absolutely for, absolutely and for you to like go out there and be like this is me hear me roar i'm gonna go after my dreams you know the bugle marching band's got nothing on me anymore like i'm moving on up la mom dad watch me go and like it brings you clarity and it won't even let you be depressed it won't let you be lethargic it'll vibrate like complete like beautiful light of energy through you and i'm sure you were like i don't know what colby and brett do on the tour bus but i'm sure you've been quite an influence on them and the rest of the crew would you say well i mean in in, in certain aspects yes um i first of all i appreciate all of that you saying that um i don't i've never been one to push my lifestyle or what I think or do on to everyone. But if you ask, I'll do my best to give you my most knowledgeable opinion or answer and help you understand. Um, so I've had some, I've had some bandmates over the years and some crew guys, you know, Hey, well, you know, what's that you're eating or just, questions about meditation or questions about, you know, and I, I don't feel like I'm versed enough in, in any of it. I'm still in what I consider the infancy stages of learning about all of this stuff, but, and I just find out how it works for me. And mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, people definitely notice I live in such, I live on a tour bus with probably, I don't know, including crew with Brett probably six or seven other guys 
which it's very comfortable because they're actually, you know, built to hold 12 people. Um, so it's, it's not uncomfortable, but it's close quarters enough where people, you know, I cook all the time on the bus. So I make my own meals. I rarely go to catering. Every show, every big arena show or festival has catering for the artists. And and who is it? Is it um? Is it uh, brand? What what do I want to say? Sponsored by a certain company? No, it's just put together. They'll these these tours will hire a um, a catering company. Oh, I got you. To basically go on tour with them and cook all their meals. You don't know what's in that stuff. Well, sometimes they legit have like the Luke Bryan tour when we were on the Luke Bryan tour like a year ago. He had that company has amazing chefs and they had amazing vegan options. Um, the Thomas Rhett tour that we're, we were on last spring and we're going to finish up again 20 dates in this fall. Um, Again, amazing chefs. Not my favorite layout because their head chef wants me to basically come to the cafeteria or wherever it is and then ask for it. They don't have the vegan option out every show. They want me to ask for it. And then that just ends up being pasta. Well, and not only that, it just, you know, the one day. Okay, here's here's a little example. She says, hey, I'm not going to put it out, but can you just come ask for it? I said, okay, I'm not super comfortable with that, but I'll do that. So the first day, I think it was the next day or maybe the day after that, I came and asked for it. And I said, Hey, I'm here for the vegan option. And she goes, Oh, there's plant boy. Oh, you know, right away, like just right away, just, just threw in some sort of like condescending, just weird vibe and I was like you know that's the last time I'm gonna ask for your vegan option so it's hit or miss um a lot of the festivals are like you mentioned in Kansas like barbecue um fried chicken it's very I mean it's I'm I'm touring with a country artist Brett and no one real no one on our tour is really that way but and by when I say that way I mean you know, country in the sense of, you know, down home cooking. And because some of the guys are when we're out with like a, you know, Lee Bryce or a, or other artists that are have that kind of a grit or an edgier vibe to their persona or their or their character. It's their catering directly reflects that you know mm. you walk into a lee bryce catering and it's fried chicken mashed potatoes stuffing and barbecue yeah well you and know you wash what? it down with a mountain dew like <sighs> but you go to a, you go on a luke bryan tour and luke's there's a smoothie station there's a juice station there's a large salad bar you know it, every every artist is different in what they want and what they need um so it's really nice when I hit the festivals or the shows that have the good food. Other than that, I've just really started to cook plan. a lot or, or plan ahead a lot and, and cook on the on the bus. My only the thing I'm fighting with right now is most of that cooking, if it's going to be hot, I have to use a microwave, mm. which 
it's the only time in my life I ever use a microwave is if I'm on a tour bus or or on an RV or somewhere like camping or something. But otherwise, it just doesn't exist in my life. I've cut, I've cut that out. I've cut so many things out. But hey, when it's your only option to make what can be a super delicious and healthy meal, then that's what I do. So um, what can you give my audience members for like, since you're on the road, literally 24 um, seven, what are your easy staples for um, living this clean lifestyle um, with the most energy? You know, it's, I think it's a lot, you know, I don't, I'm not a big meal prep guy as far as if you saw my fridge, it's a bunch of random fruits and vegetables and, and you know, LaCroix water and just other, other, you know, just other things, but I'm not the big, and I've thought about it, but I've just never really gone there. I'm not the big, um, make all of my meals on a Sunday night for the week. And I love that people can do that. I'm not saying it's not the right thing to do. There are weeks I wish that I did do that. And Maybe I will someday, but for now, it, it works for me just basically like that. The reason why I bring the meal prep that seems to be so popular with people, the reason why I bring that up is because I feel like it's the same mindset. Basically, you're planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the key to my success is to plan ahead. Like, for example, it's 4 o'clock here in Nashville now. Um my day is starting to wind down because, you know, I had some work to do this morning and then I, and then I had, then I had some stuff to do at home. And then I just went on a two and a half hour hike in the, it's beautiful out. And I was going to sit in the river and then I'm going to go home and I'm start doing laundry because we have to, we have to, um, have a bus call tonight at midnight. I will probably head to the bus around 10, 10 30, just because. So you can go to bed. I, yeah, so I go to bed. I don't want to have to wait up till midnight just so I can get to the bus and go to bed. Because we can get there whenever we want. It might not be on, so I might have to wait for somebody to turn it on and get it cool. But in any case, um, on my way there, I will stop at the grocery store and get groceries for the next four days. So you have a list? I basically have a list. I don't have a physical list. I have a list of basically what I eat on the road, and that list is it always the same um there's a lot of the main staples it it varies a little bit and i'll just it's not a very big list can you share it huh can you share it of course it's not a it's not a big secret it's literally just staples um for snacks there um dates which when you called i was chomping on (laughs) after my hike um, so dates, apples, bananas are my three staples for anything. Those are like airport. Those are on an airplane. Those are on a tour bus. Those are just great to have around. Okay. And then for, uh, vegetables, I like to have carrots and jicama Woo! cut up like prepped and just in some water in the fridge just so if I get a, like a little if I get a little craving I just reach in there and get a handful of whatever and continue on my way um, 
where in a touring sense, an example there would be if I'm going to the bus to get uh, maybe a new pair of drumsticks for sound check. And on my way out, I'm like, gosh, I'm kind of hungry. I skipped lunch, um, which isn't really true because I cooked my, for myself on the, but I'm giving you an example. It's like, oh, I kind of skipped lunch because I was tuning my drums that day and I'm kind of hungry, but I got to go sound check. So let me just grab this handful of veggies. Okay. And maybe a banana. So those are staples. And then in the freezer, because it travels well, I'm, I'm also not a big, when I'm home, I'm not a big frozen food guy, but when I travel on the bus, I found that the frozen aisle is my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, bro- frozen broccoli is a must. That's in every, that goes out with me every week. Um, I hover back and forth between, sometimes I'll get the white or brown rice. I've been going a lot more with the white lately. Um, just the whole foods. I just get the frozen. Three, six, five. Yeah, the rice. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, the diced up and prepped sweet potatoes, frozen. I do that. And I might throw in like a faux, like a faux chicken or like some sort of protein, like a heavier protein source, like a meat protein source in there. Like a tempeh. Um, but and if I do that, it's like the tofurkey just the natural flavored little chicken chunks or I'll do a meat list like the meatball, just something to change it up that the faux meat part of it changes quite a bit. I'll, I'll rotate that some weeks. I don't do any, um, but the rice, the spicy black beans. So I'll do, so I can do beans and rice and broccoli and, and sweet potato. Nice. You know, something like that. Now, my my mornings are, I get the little So Delicious, So Delicious yogurts, which are, um, they're one of my favorites out of all of the coconut yogurts that I've tried and almond yogurts. Um, so I'll, I'll pour that into a bowl and I'll add my own fresh strawberries, bananas, and dates. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's just, and that's something that I've been sharing on the bus lately. Like that's, that's two things. That's, that's my, that's my breakfast. That's a breakfast for me with my coffee. That's also, um, it's also my late night snack instead mm-hmm. of like a Ben and Jerry's or something. Mm-hmm. When I get that late night sweet crave, I just throw some, I just throw some fresh fruit in the, uh, in a little cup of yogurt and then I'm, I'm golden. Those like my clients are like, they like die over my over. I make this like crazy special recipe of like overnight oats. It's really not that hard, but I like have like special touches to it, and they love them. Yeah. Um, and also like, oh man, next time I see you, I need to like give you a giant pack for the bus um, of my healthy, healthy granola. Oh okay. Seriously. I'll have to try it. Um, and um, also another brand of yogurt that you should try is. Um, I heard Forager is really good, and then also Vega, Vega just came out with cashew yogurt. Oh, they did? Yeah, try it out. I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. I like the Forager one. I also love Kite Hill. Um, Kite Hill makes a really good almond one. Um, but as far as the coconut, I don't know. Uh, so Delicious is pretty darn good. It's it, In my mind, it beats like the silk. Yeah. Um, 
the silk, I, I had a silk like yesterday, the day before. We had a couple of rehearsals. We're learning, learning some new Brett songs. And um, the grocery store I went to on a rehearsal break didn't have the uh, didn't have the so delicious, and I ended up just getting some of the silk, and I was like, yeah, it's not my favorite. But so let's move on. Their own. Let's move on to. Um, oh gosh, what would I what would I say? So let's move on to like the talent and the music because I also want to bring this hand in <laughs> hand. When you did get to LA, what was yeah. your what was your um, kind of like your first music thing and like how did you get paired up with uh, all these things like i want to know oh, i want to know man, the breaking that's... point i want to know all the embarrassing times okay. like you're like oh, what did i just do well first off i moved there with 300 dollars cash in my pocket yes because i was supposed to uh, i flew there i flew there and i shipped i shipped through car, through airlines cargo division i shipped a pallet worth of like my stuff like my computer at the time it was like it's desktop computer my a drum set my mountain bike and like two bins two like rubber made bins full of clothes i was like okay that's my life let's go to la and i got there and a childhood friend of mine i was supposed to um the childhood friend of mine from minnesota who moved to la like our junior year in high school I was supposed to stay with him. Now, he had a lot of things going on in his life. Oh, great. And, yeah, you can see where this is going. So I was basically, hey, I'm coming out. I'm going to crash with you, no problem, until I get my feet, you know, until I get my feet on the ground. No problem. I feel like a week or less, I can't remember the exact timing, but I feel like a week or less, he called me and was like, hey, it's not a good time for you to stay here. Like, basically, in the 11th hour, pulled out of, like, you can't stay here. It's just not a good, he was going through some stuff. I was like, okay, cool. So when I got there, I I didn't know what to do. I only knew, like, at the time, like, four or five other people. And for some reason, I don't know if it was a pride thing or what, they just weren't. For some reason, I couldn't ask for help. Um, so I didn't. And I, I was basically homeless for like my first four nights. I was in Hollywood. I walked up and down Sunset Strip for something to do all day, every day, back and forth. From basically what I know now is La Brea and Sunset, there's a Starbucks. And that's the Starbucks I used to get up every morning around 4 a.m. when the marine layer would come in and come over Hollywood and wake me up because it'd be so cold because it was October. And um, it would wake me up. So I'd get up and I'd walk to Starbucks and I'd plug in my cell phone. To charge it? I'd charge my phone. So I'm like, wow, I'm I'm homeless, but I'm a homeless person with a cell phone. That's probably way more common nowadays, but back then it was like, I felt pretty out of place. And then I would literally start walking down sunset just to kill time. I don't know what I was thinking. I really don't know what I was thinking, but I would walk all the way down to like Doheny. Oh my God. Which is just past, it's basically Beverly Hills. It's the end. That's like five miles. 
Well, I don't know what it is, but I probably did it three or four times a day, back and forth with my suitcase. And then I would, the sun would go down and I'd go find my little hole in the bush. What did it you was, think about the whole time? What did you think about? What was going through I, your I head? Don't, I don't know. I don't remember having a thought of what is going on right now. I just remember it was almost like I just have to survive. So anyway, I did that for four nights. And then I woke up, you know, saying, you know what? This is BS. It's not cool that, you know, my childhood best friend, like, there's got to be a workaround. Like, I got to talk to him about this. So I figured out the bus system. He lived up in Sun Valley at the time. I figured out the bus system, the transit system, everything, and I ended up on his front doorstep. Knock, knock, and I just knock, knock, knock. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, man. And basically what happened is I was like, hey, can I stay here tonight? And then his situation had already eased up quite a bit and gotten a little better and whatever. Long story short, I stayed there like a night or two. And then I flew up to the Bay Area to stay with a good friend of mine that still lives up there. Um, who I, it's like a second home. I'm, I'm up there all the time. Matter of fact, I'll be there in like a week and a half. And he flew me up just to kind of come up safe zone, kind of crash here. He ended up helping me get a car, wow. like just a little used car off of Craigslist. So I flew up and drove back to L.A., and then I ended up staying at that buddy's house. I got a job at a grocery store. I, I, I worked at Gelson's in Encino. And I stayed at my buddy that I couldn't stay with at the time. I ended up staying with him for about six months. And then I just got my own place. Like it just, that was the start of it. I also didn't have a gig. I moved there to be this drummer or whatever I was chasing. And I also didn't play out live for the first six months. And do you think that was because you were trying to become, like, well acquainted with, like, your new environment? Or did you yeah. have a little fear? No, there, there wasn't a lot of fear. It was definitely just getting to know the lay of the land and really, you know, financially trying to get your feet on, you know, feet on the ground, get some stability going. And... You know, it was just kind of like getting a feel of life out there. And then it wasn't, honestly, the first year out there wasn't very happening at all. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm just living in L.A. I'm working at a grocery store. I just, I'm going out at night trying to network and meet people. It wasn't really, I don't feel like I was really in the right spot at the right time. And then in the fall, this was, by the way, when I moved there, it was October 1st, 2001. So it's like three weeks after 9-11, which, by the way, almost screwed up my whole flying there because flights had just resumed. Because if you remember, flights were grounded for quite some time after 9-11. And they weren't sure if my flight was going to be out, you know, working or what. So anyway, I ended up out there and... Went through all that with my buddy, and then there was an artist. So that was October 2001. Fast forward to the fall of 2001. 
And that summer and everything was pretty boring. Not boring, but just not musically active yet because I didn't have a network. So that fall, uh, um, an artist that I was playing with before I moved back in Minneapolis in Minnesota had asked me if I wanted to do a winter tour and then a, a summer tour, you know, in, in the fall, um, in 2002. So then it was ironic that I had moved to LA, but I'm flying back and forth to keep playing with this artist in Minnesota. I was like, okay, well, why did I move? But I trusted it. It was all good. And I did most of the summer with her on the road, 2002. And it was the fall of 2002 when I got back to LA and I was done touring with that artist that I started hanging out more and more in the right place and it would end up figuring out that it'd be the right timing. Um, I was hanging out at this little bar on a Sunday night called Tangier. It's in Los Feliz. And they had this little singer-songwriter night every Sunday. And then just to fast forward through it all, I ended up meeting the people that hosted it, sitting in with them a lot. I started bringing down percussion. I just start, I just ended up sitting in with them almost every week. And then I met this other guy called, his name is Fran Banish. And eventually Fran and I started playing this, this round so often that the people that were, um, uh, hosting it, which by the way, was Jen and Chris Stills. They're, um, Steven Stills, son and daughter. I don't know what Jen's doing nowadays, but I know Chris is still very active. He lives in France, and he's still an active singer-songwriter. Um, but that's, you know, it's pretty amazing when you're playing this Sunday night jam, if you will, and you look out and Stephen Stills is in the crowd. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just a funny experience, and getting to know those people people and jen and chris are the sweetest people and anyway fran and i ended up being handed this night so we ended up i think we switched it to mondays and then we had ended up it grew, it grew to the point we had to switch venues at all so we moved it to molly malone's in west hollywood and we did that for man i want to say a couple years and it was through that when i really started finding and hanging out with the right crowd singer songwriter crowd so i was playing molly malone's every monday then i started hanging out i went to see uh i went to see an artist that i didn't really know at the time but really loved her name's garrison star and i went to see her one night at a little club off of la brea in hollywood called room five and it was that was a that was a pivotal moment in my entire life, actually, because looking back, I didn't know it then. But Room 5, and then it was the beginning of the Hotel Cafe, because the Hotel Cafe had only been open like a year, maybe two at the time. When I first moved to L.A., Hotel Cafe, which is super popular now and has been for years, um, was a BYOB. Like, I had to stop at the liquor store to get a six pack of beer to bring with me to go sit there and watch a show, you know, or whatever I was drinking at the time. And then one day I showed up at hotel cafe and they had 
gotten their liquor license, and I had to go put my beer in my trunk. <laughs> like, I had uh, to walk back to my car. I was like, oh, they're like, oh, you can't bring that in. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's cool, because that means you got a license, and that's growth, and everybody's happy. That's awesome. So it was really through the Room 5 and the Hotel Cafe scene and the Molly Malone's, the three scenes I was playing, or the three clubs, where I really fell into that singer-songwriter scene, which is also... This is 2002-2003, and by 2005, I mean, it was game on. It was, that was the Sarah Bareilles, that was the, that was the Katy Perry, that was, you know, the early stages of Andy Grammer, like very early, because he didn't come until a couple years later, almost 19, or almost 2008 is when I first met Andy. Um... And it just, man, I just, I'm all over the place, but it's, it's fun to reminisce about that because I, I, and I often do, and it's so amazing how, how, I'm trying to find the right words for it, but it was very, uh, like I was blessed big time with the people I met and the reason why I met them. At the time. who they were in my life, the opportunities, like it all just opened up. And it was just amazing. You know, I have to tell you something. So um, a couple things, you know, I am a huge believer that in, in, unless you are truly open, unless your heart is truly open and um, you believe in something, maybe like a higher spirit or something, you yeah. don't, you don't see, fully see the opportunities that come your way are chances um, worth taking, you know. And also another point that I believe is that those things, everything, I truly believe everything in your life happens for a reason or one's life happens for a reason. For the good, Absolutely. for the bad, for the painful. Like, I mean, walking around on Sunset Strip, like you had to do that. Like you had yeah. to do no, that. No, I know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I'm and, a firm believer. Everything, it sounds so cliche. People say it all the time. But I'm 1,000% positive that in my life that everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Of course. I wasn't supposed to hit the ground running. And I wasn't supposed to hit the ground running. Because had I, had I never, had I hit the ground running when I got to L.A., I might be a metal drummer now. And not, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it would have been a completely different path. I might be on the tour with like Slayer or some some heavy band that I don't really I'm not into on my own time. And and again, I'm not knocking any of that. I'm just saying it could have just been a totally different path. The reason why I was chosen, I was chosen I was I had to wait, like you said. I had to go through what I went through and I had to wait that year. Like I was kind of like, why isn't stuff, why, why aren't things happening yet? Like I've been here a year. I don't really know that many people because I wasn't supposed to, because it wasn't supposed to happen yet. I was supposed to go back, play with the artist from Minnesota, tour that summer. And then I was supposed to come back and everything was supposed to happen like it did. Because that falling into that singer songwriter scene that I was talking about in the early 2000, the, two, the fall of 2002 when it all broke open it that 
without falling into that group, I would have never met the group at room five. And then through that group at room five and Hotel Cafe, I would have never met Katy Perry. I would have never met and played with Sarah Bareilles. And I mean, countless others. I, I only mentioned those two because they're like, and Andy, because they're, you know, they're household names now. But back then, they were just literally, they weren't anybody. But can I say... I mean, say- I'm talking, this is three, with Katie, I was playing with Katie 2005 to 2000, 2008. I kissed a girl, didn't come out until summer of 2008. So she was, she was all over the place. They were, they didn't know what to do with her. They being her management and the label, and she was signed and dropped and re rebranded and all this thing you know it's like but then i but then i went to met colby and i went to met jason reeves like it's just all it's very much a community the singer songwriter community man i had a great like five saw like there was this five year like 2004 to 2009 was like this five-year heyday i felt like i was David Crosby or Eric Clapton or Joni Mitchell, like in the sixties when they're sitting up on Mulholland in like the Hollywood in the sixties, I just felt it was that fertile and I felt that blessed. And I'm not saying that these artists are that caliber for anybody that wants to be like, Oh, Eric Clapton's God. I get it. I'm just saying it's the same. It felt like what I think they must've felt like. Yeah. Where you look around you look around the table or you look around the yard or the party or whatever. And at the time, nobody knew that, like, you're just, there's all these awesome photos of David Crosby, Jackson Brown, Joni Mitchell, and Eric Clapton, like, hanging out at some house, like, just jamming. And you nobody know what? Nobody knew at the time, but this is before they were Jackson Brown, Joni Mitchell, Eric Clapton. They weren't huge mega stars then. They were just... At some point, you have to just be a local singer-songwriter. But at the end of the day, we are all human. We are all the same. Absolutely. At the end of the day, we all still wipe our butts. I mean, seriously. Do you know what I'm that saying? That is one way to put it, yes. Um, but can I – let me step back because I do want step to – I want to share with you what I thought and what I've been thinking um, okay. with you going back to Minneapolis and working with that one artist – I, I truly believe, because you were saying, oh, I could have been a heavy heavy metal, um, you know, drummer, per- percussionist. Yeah. Um, this is what I believe, though. When you came out to L.A., because I did the same thing. When I first came out to California, I was so gung-ho to be like, this is my chance. Let's do this. Let's do that. But it takes years sometimes to really step back, look inside of yourself and your soul, and to truly build that strength and that confidence and that authenticity of what your truth is. And until you find that truth, until you are willing to just live that truth, breathe that truth and speak that truth, you will not be aligned within the vibrations or the path that you for God has set you on this earth to be aligned with. Yeah. And that's my, tr- my that's my thought. That is my two cents. And so then that happened to you and you were like at the core of belief because, I mean, it's totally – the artists that you are paired up with, I believe, Billy, are strictly aligned with your, your um, 
your nature as a human and how you act and how you live your life. I mean, nature. Those artists have the soul and the vibration that you reflect with in nature and how you feel at peace with nature. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So you win. You got it. Keep on well, going. I mean, that's an interesting way for you to put it, and I appreciate that, but you're right. I mean, nature, let's just cut to the chase. Nature is my kryptonite. Like, hmm, kryptonite. But doesn't it fuel you? Doesn't it fuel your soul? Does, isn't kryptonite what, like, kills Superman? Well, okay, then I said it wrong. It's your, um, I, I, your battery. It, Yes, but it's more than that. Anyway, yes, it keeps me it keeps me sane. Put it this way. I can't do I can't do I couldn't tour like I tour. Um I meant in the the kryptonite sense, I meant that it it keeps it keeps the bat off. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally like, it's it. my shower. Walking through the woods, like, getting out on a hike or going out on a jog or just being outside, like, just really earthing and just really being in tune with where I came from, wherever I am in the world, because soil is soil, you know? And that just keeps it real for me. If I toured like I toured and ate like I ate sometimes and never got outside, I'd go nuts. Mm-hmm. I'd go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. I need the sun. I need the fresh air. I need the smell of cut grass in the summertime. I need, you know, it's it's been an adjustment. It's I'm four years into living in LA or living in Nashville from LA and man, the winters here are rough. And, and don't get me wrong, for anyone who's listening to your podcast that lives in a winter type climate don't get me wrong i grew up in minnesota i know all about harsh winters and then i spent 12 years in la (laughs) and i know about and i know about sunny winters and i know what it feels like to really get excited when it's going to be 60 degrees and possible rain and you might want to throw a hoodie on like a hoodie that was like that's like the best thing ever when you live in Southern California. You're like, oh, it's a hoodie day. I can wear my Otherwise, jeans and my boots. Like, yeah, every day is like shorts and a t-shirt, shorts and a t-shirt. Okay, oh, you're gonna get dressed up to go to the party, so it's jeans and a t-shirt. Cool. <laughs> I get you. Like for I real, know. Like, I don't mind it. That's a blessing. Don't get me wrong. But growing up in Minnesota, having four distinct seasons, super attached and like ironed into my DNA, I couldn't, I could never get, I could never get comfortable with standing in line at like a Starbucks or whatever your coffee of choice is, um, in the winter and hearing Bing Crosby singing overhead on how he's dreaming of a white Christmas. I was like, no, I'm in my T I'm in my flip flops, my t-shirt and jeans. And it's not. Looks like I need to go somewhere for Christmas. So, so then I moved to Nashville and I get all four seasons back. I just don't have a super harsh winter, but it is still harsh enough where when I say winters here are tough, it's not the cold. The cold doesn't bother me. It's the lack of sun because it can get really gray. Mm -hmm. 
and it's the lack of vegetation because all the leaves turn in the fall and they drop and I'm back to no no leaves at least in California it can be winter and and certain certain trees and flowers can still bloom in winter um but here it's just gray you can see all the way through the trees yep. to the other side of the field you know the deal oh yeah and then when it does snow which is rare but when it does snow here i love it just because it's prettier than looking at the gray um people are like oh and the road shut down here it's, it's hilarious like a dusting and everyone's freaking out schools are closed for like two days <laughs> i was like come on but anyway getting sidetracked but that nature when i moved here i love it all except the grayness of so you'll see if you do follow my instagram or anything like that you'll see that i try to travel a lot more in the winter months i go to cancun a lot more uh just Ooh, for, field trip. Well, for, Na for nashville I, I say cancun because it, it's it's usually pretty cheap and it's usually it, it's more more importantly if if it were up to me i'd go to hawaii like every time but Nashville to Hawaii, Hawaii used to be convenient when I lived in L.A. It's not as convenient when you're in Nashville because now it's a six. It's five more it's hours. A, it's a 6 a.m. flight out of Nashville. I go through L.A. anyway, and I'm still there by, you know, one or two in the afternoon, which is fine. But it's still still a long travel day because that's dinner time back home or late afternoon back home. Um and then coming home is, you know, like an overnight flight. There's a red eye involved. It's just, it's harder to just pop over, especially with my, uh, my new touring schedule with Brett. Um, when I'm usually only home, maybe a Sunday through Wednesday or a Sunday through Thursday. And then out, we're out on the weekends, almost every weekend. So for me to do like a Hawaii, that's much more of a commitment. So I wait till I know that when we have like a full week off and then I'll do it. But the, the Cancun or anywhere in Mexico is just an easier, that's an easier bounce down. You're there in a couple of hours and then you're there a couple of days and you can bounce back. It's a lot easier. Nice. Okay. So I won't keep you too much yeah. longer. I have like one more question because I know you've got to like go do laundry and get your well, grocery good, run yeah. and get out of the car. That's when we're having fun. We're having so much fun. I didn't feel like I was sitting in the car this whole time. Well, I've got to like get my backpack ready so I can get on the, the tour bus. I'm going to climb on one of these days and bring my, yeah. um, bring my granola and do my we're jazz gonna, hands. Hey, we're going to come. Let's see. I don't know if it's confirmed yet, but rumor has it. Well, we end the uh, October 27th. We end, we play the last Thomas Rhett date in Sacramento. And then we were supposed to be off. But I heard rumor of now we're playing Petco Park again, which is random because we just played it a couple weeks ago in San Diego with um, for some radio show on the 28th. So well, it sounds like we'll be driving right by you. All right. Well, pick me up. I'll pick you up and we can have granola in San Diego. I'll put my knapsack on. But here's here's my... Um, yeah, what's your question? Okay, here's my last question. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Okay, Billy. What's your honest truth that has led you on a path to success in maintaining a healthy lifestyle? Wow. Break it down for me. Okay, what so exactly do you mean by that? 
It can mean anything you want. So it could be like uh, being prepared for the bus that, or, or just, or like in life in general, it could be like just being honest to yourself and honest in your, 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 pra- your lifestyle practices that could have been like maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Um, yeah. It could have been like going, going with your gut. I mean, it could be uh, just eating the way you do or whatever. I mean, it's a really, I don't know if I'm going to answer this properly. That's a very good question. Um, I can just give you some of what I feel the answers might be. Um, for one, we've already touched on it, but nature is a huge part of my sanity. And not just mental sanity, but physical sanity, spiritual sanity, just it's a huge part of sanity across the board. Um, I love being active. I'm not always good at it. I'm really good. I'm also really good at being lazy if I want to be, so I have to keep that in check. Um, but activity and being out in nature is a big one. Um, the veganism, the veganism is easy for me. Um, the hardest part about that is just making sure that I'm that I'm getting balanced nutrition. You know, it's very easy. I mean, I just started. I've been. By the way, I've only been vegan for. We never touched on that. Twenty six years. Well, no, no, no. But that was vegetarian. Oh. I'm talking about full blown vegan. Changing up everything has been. It'll be five years. It'll be five years this fall. Well, you know, you can always call me and ask for recommendations and tips. Yeah, so I'm still new to that, and for the first couple of years, I, I was definitely what I know now is laughed at or chuckled at as a, and I chuckle at it too, but it's junk food, junk food vegan. Yeah. Because there's so much, especially with all the new faux meats and the faux this, faux that, it's easy to just eat. Processed I mean, food? Eat, yeah, you can eat crappy either vegan or non-vegan. It's still processed, whatever. I hear so, you. Ching, ching, just uh, being honest. So I, I get that. Um, so I've been just really looking at that lately. That's been a main focus of mine recently in the last like year is to really dial that in because I don't want, I mean, I just don't want to be, I just don't want, I feel healthier and I am healthier when I don't live like that. So, um, but the veganism uh, isn't even a question because just out of the compassion side of things, uh, I just can't participate. I just can't participate after the knowledge, after the knowledge I've gained on what happens in any given industry, whether it's pork, chickens, dairy, doesn't matter, um, leather. You know, it just doesn't. It's like. I don't want my dollar to support that. So it's plain and simple. Love it. I don't want my dollar to support that. Everyone hear that? I don't want my dollar to support that. It's plain and simple. If I don't buy it, if if more people don't buy it like I don't buy it, then eventually... It'll die off. We're we're starting to see the shift, you know? Exactly. Hellman's Hellman's didn't always have a vegan mayo. Your dollar speaks, folks. Your dollar speaks. Because they didn't ever need a vegan mayo. Because, But now, a lot more people, thanks to all the documentaries and the internet and everything else that has, you know, come across all of our 
computers and phones over the last few years, it's people are starting to slowly wake up. You know, it's like Paul McCartney said, if slaughterhouses, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone would be vegan because most people, most people, I mean, compassionate We're we're compassionate beings. That's just, I mean, for the most part, we have compassion at our core. You know, it's the same reason why people love dogs and cats or horses, but then they'll turn around and eat a hamburger. It's like, well, I guess you didn't love the cow. You know, it's just, it, you can go on and on. And I'm not here to preach. I'm just, that's how I feel about it. You know, people get all up in arms about the fact that they eat dog in South Korea. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's cool either. Nobody thinks it's cool that you eat dog, but in a lot of parts of the world, people think it's weird that we eat cows. When in some parts of the world, cows are like a sacred, you know, animal Mm -hmm. and they don't eat them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it goes both ways and, oh man, it can really get exhausting and really get, there's so much information out there. And like I said, I'm not one to really speak on any of it because I'm, I'm still learning a lot myself. You know what, Billy? You can uh, but speak. I start with what feels good and what yes. feels good for me and what feels good to my heart. And then, like I said, if I'm touring with someone or traveling with someone and they ask me about it, then I'll tell them. But I'm never the guy who's like, oh, you shouldn't eat that. You should eat this instead. But that depends. I mean, if it's something that's really bad for someone and... Like if it's a friend that already has a disease or a friend that's recovering from cancer or something and I see him, you know, eating certain foods or something that's I know is not going to support their recovery, then I'll speak up and I'll be like, hey, you're one of my best friends. You know, basically, let me tell you what I know about what you're putting in your mouth right now. But other than that, for the most part, I just let people do their thing and I do my thing. Billy... I want to say a couple things, and we're just going to tie this all together. Um, I, can, I cannot thank you enough for speaking your truth on this. Um, you know, and you said you don't want to preach, but you know what? This is called Just Being Honest, and I allow you to just be honest. Just um, be honest. Just be honest. And I also want to say that we are totally twins on a lot of the same way we think same ways we think um and believe and um keep on going keep on going and leading life through your heart um and also we have the same eye color (laughs) i just noticed that but um but um beyond that um I want to share in your show notes some of, and I can collect all the information to share in the show notes, but I want um, to share your Instagram with everyone. Guys, it's at Billy Hahn. That's H-A-W-N as Hahn, B-I-L-L-Y. You can catch him on there. Follow him. He's going to be hitting the road tonight, so he's got to go do his laundry and get his groceries. Get his his dates and apples and bananas. Um, But... So check him out. Um, check out maybe. Oh gosh, he's, your album. Tell us. What album? My album. Yes. <laughs> the percussion album. Yes. 
Tell us, tell us the title. Uh-huh. Everyone needs to look it up right now. It's called Voices in My Head. Okay. Guys, yes. write that down. Voices in my head, and I'll also have that. In, yeah. I'll have that in the show notes as well, Billy. Well, I appreciate that. I'm so grateful for your knowledge and for your inspiration to everyone. For well, also, for also to just go after your dreams. Simply go after your dreams. Never tell yourself no. Always keep that yeah. heart open. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely that's very important. You just have to go for it. It's not always comfortable, and you don't always know why, but you have to trust in what or whoever you believe in that it's gonna, everything's going to be okay. Mercy, mercy. You don't have you know to try, saying? try, try. Yes, you know I just want to sing. I just like, want to sing. You just have to be like, hey, I don't know what's going on right now, and that's okay to admit. You can be like, hey, I don't know what's going on right now. It could be a new job. It can be a move across the country. It could be a move across two blocks over. It doesn't matter. It's new. I love and it. it. Can be, and it can be lonely and it can be scary. But just keep pushing because you wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have taken the new job. You wouldn't have moved. You wouldn't have done it if you knew there, there had to be a reason that pushed you to go that far. You can't stop not believing now. Don't stop believing. No. All right. You got to keep on believing and then it'll just show up one day and you won't. You might not even know it when it shows up, but when it does and you figure it out, oh man, the smile, the smile in your soul is huge. Well, I'll tell you when, um, when it shows up for me, um, I cannot thank you enough once again, and we'll have all your information in the show notes, guys. You're the best. Yeah, you're the best. Um, I, oh gosh, guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode, crazy episode. If you want more Thanks. information, if you want to ask Billy questions, we'll relay um, all of your comments and reviews that you write in um, from iTunes. Search Just Being Honest under iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, support us. We love it. Um, that's being without a G because we've got to keep it street. So, again, this is your host, KB, your health, nutrition, and lifestyle manifestation coach until next time kiss kiss hug hug peace love ciao